0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter. And today I have a solo topic-based episode for you. And it is an interesting one. So there's a bit of a background for this and hopefully a series more or less, or maybe series is a strong word, but I think there's going to be some episodes in the future that hopefully allow... Me to dive into this topic in a lot more detail and ultimately give more actionable items to you than what I'll be able to do in this particular episode today. So, for those of you who come here and are interested kind of in the nutrition side of things, this is going to be much more leaned towards that. Although, if you are an endurance athlete and you are like myself and you follow a lower carbohydrate diet, this could be possibly interesting to you as well as because the topic of today can influence potentially what some of those inputs would be for the fat side of your low carbohydrate diet. So the topic today is seed oils and a bit of an overview. One of the reasons why I'm interested in seed oils as a topic is it has become increasingly more a target of scrutiny this isn't necessarily new. This kind of, I think started maybe even a couple or a few years ago, but it seems to have just continued to kind of gain momentum online and in a lot of like the nutrition side of the realm of online discourse and things like that, where people are really getting into what I would call a lot of anti-seed oil rhetoric, where it's gotten to where you just see so much conversation around all the way up to like, you should go through any obstacle possible to minimize or try to eliminate the, the amount of seed oils in your diet and things like that. So that sort of started to catch my attention a little bit. And originally I would say I was maybe a little less interested in this particular topic. And partly that is selfish in the nature that the way at the way I had been programming my diet, it just did not have much seed oil in it. And I wasn't really concerned necessarily because of that. So for those of you who are listening to this episode as like your first episode here or new to the show and are maybe less aware of kind of how I structure my diet is I do follow a lower carbohydrate diet. I'm an endurance athlete, so I also have a variety of different fluctuations and things throughout the course of the year, depending on what I'm training for what phase of training am i in. Essentially, what that means for me is I follow a low-carbohydrate diet, but I am flexing carbohydrate up and down to some degree, depending on whether I'm in off season, base building phase, working on speed work, developing long run, and things like that. If you're more interested in that particular topic, it has been one that I've addressed quite a bit on this podcast, as well as others in the past. So I won't go much further than that. Other than to say that with that information, that is kind of my structure with nutrition where I have these macronutrient ranges that I will target during different parts of the year in order to fuel my efforts and recovery. And the inputs for those can can vary quite a bit. As many of you know, you walk into a grocery store, there's tons of different inputs you can do to get to a specific macronutrient range, and it doesn't have to be the same every time. So historically, I kind of use that a bit as my my curiosity, where I get maybe a little more creative and run experiments that I just find interesting personally as to like what those inputs end up being. And with that, over the course of essentially at this point, almost 12 years, I've done everything from mostly plant-based to mostly animal product and everything in between for those inputs to get there. And that has been where I probably tested things out and played around with things and changed the most over that decade or so. For me, when I start to hear things like, avoid seed oils or include this, avoid this, avoid that. If it's a potential input, I do want to know to some degree, if that's something I should ever consider as an input of any kind or something I should maybe avoid as an input, as they say, because I think like these things are uh, just worth considering when you're putting together your diet, because ultimately what I'll end up doing is once I come up with like an idea of how I kind of want to do do this is I will run it through an app like Chronometer just to confirm that those inputs are also, you know, checking the boxes for the micronutrient things like that and essentially fact checking myself to make sure that those macronutrient ranges are where I want them. And then I'll run that for a while until I get bored with it and then I'll switch it to something else. So it's a uh, it's it's definitely worth for me anyway to know kind of the the do's and don'ts around some of those inputs out there. At this point, I really do want to know is a seed oil something that I should be mindful of when doing those inputs since essentially fat is a big component of my diet. So if you look at me, since I follow a low carbohydrate diet, fat is going to make a bigger portion of my intake than the average person following a moderate to high carbohydrate diet. On top of that, I'm also an ultra marathon endurance athlete where there are times where I'm burning 2x or 3x my resting metabolic rate. So then on top of that, I'm also intaking a lot more based on my lifestyle. So something like, is this fat source good or bad, can carry a consequence for someone like myself. So here we are at with seed oils. My first thought with it, or I guess what got me on this topic now, more or less, was I have had episodes in the past where seed oils were a topic or became a topic. And if I go through that catalog, I would say on balance, it leans heavy towards anti-seed oil conversations where the way it's addressed is more warning against them than saying, hey, this is something that could be included in a healthy way of, of planning out your nutrition. So I actually came across some information that started to counter a lot of the common points that I have seen online on this podcast and on other podcasts that I found to be very interesting to the degree where like, I thought they were very much worth considering. So I reached out to somebody who I thought was explaining it very well. So another thing I try to be mindful of with that is finding out from a person who can explain it to me in a way that can be easily understood, but also get into the weeds with the topic if possible. So that if someone who has already looked at this topic and gone through some of it, they're not just bored from a bunch of introduction type stuff but also can explain it in a way where if someone's really new to this and they're just simply like, hey, I'm going grocery shopping tonight. Should I be looking at the label and making sure there's no seed oils in this product or not and still come away with some actionable items and things like that? So there's a guy online, Nick Hebert, who uh, is very much someone I would consider a person who has dove very deep into this topic and his rhetoric around it is very clear and deep. So in terms of finding someone who could better explain it, there isn't that many options. And I invited him on the show because I'm like, well, let's just talk about this. Let's dive into some of these topics that are popular around seed oils and just go through what you found. And let's hear some of those counterpoints. I want to put those out there. And Nick's response was, yeah, we can do that. But I would prefer you to bring on somebody who actually thinks seed oils are a negative when it comes to including them into your your diet program. So here's where things get interesting. Nick wanted someone to come on the show and essentially rebut or give any counter arguments they might have to his criticism towards the anti-seed oil points that are being made out there. So we could have a live packaged back and forth to the degree where at the end of the episode, there wasn't necessarily as much opportunity to have the conversation bleed out into a bunch of different channels and create this situation, essentially whack-a-mole where, you know, people are countering something Nick said on a different platform and he didn't, that person wasn't there to actually do it live on this podcast. And I just thought like, that makes sense. That's a lot cleaner. Obviously we probably don't get to Uh, any sort of 100% conclusion for everybody out there, but we get a lot closer if we bring two very competent people with this topic into the same room, conversing with one another, going back and forth, countering each other's points. We could at least get to the end point between those two higher level knowledge people around this topic. So I went on to Twitter to try to figure out a way to facilitate that. and I made a post and I'll just read the post actually so you can kind of understand how this all is sort of laying out. And I just wrote, I'm planning a podcast episode with Nick Hebert at The NutriVore. That's his handle on Twitter about seed oils and their role in diet. He takes the stance, seed oils are not a significant independent concern for public health. Before we do it, Nick has offered an open invitation to anyone who disagrees to be added to discuss why and present their evidence. Let me know if interested or tag someone you believe would disagree with Nick and join. So the call was made where things got really interesting was lots of people had opinions about who should join. And a lot of people who they thought should join had a lot of opinions about Nick. So long story short is um, Nick is very direct. Nick is not going to sit there and essentially let things get distracted, change directions. He's going to try to get right to the point and he will be very confrontational to do that because he wants the proposition that he laid out there, which I'll read again, seed oils are not a significant independent concern for public health. He wants the pushback on that and he wants the evidence to see that. So uh, it um, it, it, it can be like a an uncomfortable situation to be in if you're getting pushed back live on that sort of thing um there's also you know i've heard i heard everything essentially i heard people say nick is mean he's a bad faith actor he's a liar there's that and the other thing so you know i guess more or less typical twitter's type stuff for the most part as far as i can tell i mean i looked into it a little bit and nick's definitely like no stranger to insults and things like that and to be fair to Nick, like. There's plenty of insults levied towards him as well. So I don't know that it's necessarily a one-way street with that. Either way, uh, all of that is besides the point if we're trying to get to a conclusion with the proposition that Nick said. So my thought was essentially, well, if Nick's proposition is sound in the sense that we can have a discussion on this or it's a worthwhile discussion, which I very much believe is, because at this point i'm sitting at a point where some of the opinions i had about seed oils have had good convincing reasons to be potentially flawed i'm at this spot where that evidence has become compelling enough where i don't have the answer i'm not well i should say i'm not nearly as confident as i was in terms that they're they're problematic and if anything i may be leaning towards a position where they would be something where I could potentially include in my diet without any any worry. Or maybe the way I'll say it is if I'm running through an aid station at an ultra marathon and I look down at the aid station table and I see potato chips and those potato chips have seed oils in there, at this point in time, I'm not concerned <laughs> at all. So uh, that's sort of maybe the ultra runner way of, of looking at it with that. But I would like to get to the answer to that or find out where the pushback points are on Nick. And and Nick's very clear that he would like to do this in a podcast form where we can maybe even stream it live because uh, he doesn't want to deal with the whole post episode back and forth type stuff as much as possible or minimize that as much as one can do. And, And I can appreciate that. I think there's plenty of online back and forth written stuff on this already. A lot of times, as I actually found out with that Twitter thread, when I put that Twitter thread up there, that thing is monstrous now and there's so much stuff in there that basically is buried in that thread that may or may not be important so if someone were just to open up that post and start reading through that thread there's really no way they're getting any meaningful like stuff out of that like it's just not so that's where i definitely agree with nick is this needs to be something that is just hashed out over voice And done on like a podcast episode or a live stream or something like that. So that's where I'm at now is uh, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get Nick an opponent. Or if not Nick, someone Nick says, hey, this person is equally as strong in the in the content around this topic as I am. And we'll be able to guide. I shouldn't say guide, but participate in a conversational way that will actually get the answers we're looking for versus kind of dancing around it to some degree. And that's where I'm at too with that, but to be fair, like this could take some time in order to get that set up. I'm still very much interested in this topic. So, uh, I have reached out to some other people who are, you know, researchers and scientists in this particular topic who can maybe come on and share some insight in terms of just like where the research is at, why we think we think what we do and why there's maybe uncertainty because the next question is that I sometimes think about this is Shouldn't this be easier to answer? Can't we just look to the research and say, hey, this is where the evidence points. At this point in time, this is what we should consider the the right, the right path forward. And to some degree, you can do that. The problem is when you get into nutrition science, things get really weird because people get really hung up on measuring these things with tools. All right? well, that's what we use. We use tools to measure these things. And depending on what science it is, there are different tools that you will use in order to get the answers you're looking for. Some questions require very precise tools. So like, let's say I'm trying to build a rocket. I'm going to need very precise answers to the things I'm looking for in order for that rocket to launch and fly appropriately. When you start getting into things like human nutrition, you don't necessarily need tools that precise in order to get population level answers that are meaningful enough to move in a certain direction so we end up getting this situation going on where there, are especially with seed oils where you have this mechanistic speculation where in isolation these fats are fragile they do break down easily when exposed to things like oxygen however this doesn't appear to translate into indisputable clinical relevance so it's one of those things where There's like this mechanistic thing that everyone agrees on that on the surface looks problematic, but then when it's put into the real world, we don't see that actually occurring. So that just sort of highlights some of the stuff that we as humans likely don't know and can't necessarily account for when we see stuff like that. But really, I want to have someone come in who can explain that much better than me and do it in a way that's much more understandable and maybe clarify for you why that's not a problem or is a problem. And all the stuff that kind of goes into that, but in the meantime, it just fuels the fire around this because there's a lot of words that get thrown around when it comes to seed oils, things like rancid toxic byproducts, fragile oxidation words that just drum up emotion that I find find tend to be sort of irrelevant but also like very very engaging in terms of like I said, the old emotion that occurs when they're used and And when it's actually teased out, it's not so clear as to that, whether those words are actually consequential in terms of your actual health with these sort of products. So that's where I'm at with CETLs right now. If you listen to this episode and you want to share it, or you want to maybe participate in it in some sort of way, feel free to reach out. Like I said, I am going to continue the search to find Nick, someone who feels like they can push back on his proposition in a way that will actually Further the conversation to a degree, at least on this podcast. And also in tandem with that, I'm going to be looking at some other people who are actually researching these things, these lipids and things, and get a feel for where they're at. Because oftentimes I think when you get these people on, They will share with you exactly where the science stands today, but they're very much still looking for answers themselves. And I can find it really interesting to hear what are the questions that these guys and gals have in terms of uh, what we do and don't know, or essentially maybe an easy way to say this is like you can ask them a question like, if you had unlimited funding and could do a study to find out something more about this particular aspect what would that be? And just really get into it with like, where are the big questions in this particular thing that can maybe help guide you? Cause at the end of the day with some of this stuff, it's, it's both complicated and simple because practically speaking, do you need to eat seed oils to a large degree? Like, do like I can go into the store and buy a bottle of vegetable oil, or I can buy a bottle of extra virgin olive oil. I could see someone saying, Hey, I'm going to take the precautionary principle here and buy the bottle of virgin extra virgin olive oil. But I don't think that necessarily is an answer to the problem at all because eventually you're going to get to a point where I think it does become an issue where people find that they need to be looking at food labels and finding out if there's a vegetable oil in there versus something else and overthinking things and overcomplicating things and essentially fear-mongering to some degree, which is why part of the reason why I'd like to get to the bottom, the bottom of uh, this particular topic. I also think another reason this sort of thing ends up becoming a bit more of a of a topic is because you can take almost any food from what i experience and There's someone out there who just doesn't have a good experience with it. So, like, you get into the anecdotes of anything around seed oils, and it's like, oh, so and so had like massive diarrhea or something from eating a seed oil or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably a population of people out there who just, for whatever reason, have a hard time with it and should probably just avoid it for reasons like I've said in the past, which is like, you've got a lot of options to choose from. If one of them is giving you a digestive issue, then perhaps choose something different. I mean, take me for example. I don't have any digestive issues that I'm aware of from seed oils, but if I eat, like if I eat mushrooms, especially if they're uncooked, I get the worst stomach ache. Like, and it's like within 30 minutes after eating it. And it's like a wrenching stomach ache. So I test this every once in a while, like every couple of years, I'll try it again and just see, you know, so far it just hasn't been something that I've included in my diet in any meaningful way, because I just don't want to deal with that. So Does that mean mushrooms should be avoided by everybody? Absolutely not. Most people, lots of people love them, enjoy them, do quite well with them, don't get stomach issues from them. So uh, they eat them and I have no problem with that. I'm not gonna like go online and start this anti-mushroom rhetoric thing because I personally don't do well with them. But all that is just to say like, yeah, I mean, I think there is probably going to be some people who just for whatever reason will wanna kind of keep something like this out of their diet for individual purposes. Like I said, let me know if you have any questions, comments, suggestions around this. Until then, you can look forward to a lot of the episodes coming up that are unrelated to this, as well as maybe some down the road that are specific deeper dives into seed oils. Also, if you'd like to get a little bit ahead and dive into some of this conversation before I get around to putting out more detailed episodes on this topic, there are some pretty good spots to kind of start with especially if you want to pair with some of the episodes I've done in the past about seed oils. Those are a couple that I would recommend right out the gate. One is Nick's actual write-up that he did a while back that actually counters a lot of the points made on my podcast in the past. And it's just on his website, The NutriVore, the title of it. If you just Google this, you'll find it, but I'll also put a link in the show notes. It's called A Comprehensive Rebuttal to Seed Oil Sophistry. And there he goes through quite a bit of stuff on those. Another one that's interesting, and this is going to be a little more specific, is there is a podcast by Simon Hill called The Proof. And he actually had Dr. Matthew Negra and Tucker Goodrich on, and they debated seed oils and heart disease. So that gets a little more specific. It doesn't touch on maybe the breadth of issues or claims made about seed oils and their potential harms, but it does dive really deep. I believe that episode is like nearly three and a half hours long. So they really do cover a lot of the, the research that is is out there at the moment. But that one is just titled Debate, Seed Oils and Heart Disease, Tucker Goodrich and Dr. Matthew Nagra. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter.